is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nine games on tap tonight, including the Sammy's Toronto Maple Leafs against the Dallas Stars. I'm Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale, Frank the Tank. And as I just mentioned, Sammy McKee. Sammy, ready to go tonight? Excited for the, the match, you and JD, uh, after the game? Yeah, we're doing Lee's Talk tonight. A little later, because it's an 8.30 puck drop. Yep. Of course, um, Central Time, right? And a couple of consecutive streaks going yeah. at it tonight. Hey, I got a question before we, before we get into that. <laughs> All right. I actually have two questions. One more for Kipper, because I know Borny won't remember this. Coming in hot. There was a big discussion last night uh, in the parking lot after hockey about there being a two-on-two tournament with NHLers that was aired on Hockey Night in Canada, and it was like an outdoor thing. And there was two guys that swears it happened, and there was everybody else was not believing that it happened, Kipper. Do you remember this? In the early 2000s? I do not. Okay. <laughs> I thought you would be the guy to ask. Outdoor two-on-two yes. hockey night in Canada But tournament. I've been yes. hitting the head over my lifetime, <laughs> and I can't remember what I had for breakfast. That's not true, Kipper. That's so not true. You have this weird thing where you'll be able to pull stuff out. Yeah, of that. you're right. I so, left in right-handed shots. So, yes. So I thought maybe <laughs> that you would have some recollection of that, because I yeah. did it. And I was, there's two guys that I trust very much. Their so, hockey well, we need comments from like, our listeners on like that. Like a showdown? Yeah. Like, like uh, intermission of, stuff? Yes, it was part of Hockey Night in Canada, and apparently it was like an outdoor scene sort of thing, and it was two-on-two two with NHL Here's players. Here's the thing. If I'm not mistaken, you're 33. Mm. Your friends are there for about the same age. You're talking about 2,000. We're talking about you guys were 10 years old. Mm. We're going on the memories of a bunch of 10-year-olds here. I don't know. Okay, I agree. <laughs> I was calling him crazy, but I thought Kipper might remember. So. Yeah. No, no I got nothing for you. Okay. And my second thing, this is not hockey-related at all. Can't, Sammy just coming out of the gate. He didn't even introduce hey, the show this yet. This isn't off-the-rails <laughs> Friday. No, this is just something that popped into my mind because there was right. another World Cup penalties today, and there was Spain lost to Morocco. It's a massive upset. And I saw this tweet yesterday, and I was very interested to get both your takes on it. If you were randomly dropped into a pro sporting event with your entire country's hopes and dreams on the line, which of the most would you like to attempt? Which of the following would you like to attempt? A free throw, a penalty kick, a 25-yard field goal, or a six-foot putt? So Sammy asked me this yesterday, and my answer was that I wouldn't want to attempt the things that were like careful and fine a free throw no way because too much precision involved even though i can shoot a basketball all right six foot putt in front of all those people for the country too herky-jerky i need something i can just pound it so penalty uh, kick. i thought the penalty kick but then there's still another person involved the field goal is just kick it through the uprights as hard as you can and i i don't claim that i can kick it great but i like the idea of just getting a pound it straight and it's simple i like the penalty kick you do yeah a field goal or a putt uh, it's just you. Yeah. It's nice to see someone dejected after you've had success. <laughs> That's the most sinister answer I've ever heard. I would like someone to hurt when I feel my, my glory. Winning is about defeating someone. Yes. Wow. It is. I actually like that take a it's, lot. It's, it doesn't mean as much if, if the pain on the other side doesn't mean as much. Yeah. Okay. That's the beauty of sport. There's the other aspect, though, that we are golfers, 
And like my chances of making a six foot putt are at least 50%, I would think, 40%. I'm going putt. 100%. I've never kicked a field goal in my life. So maybe I should just try to roll the six footer in. I don't know. I like someone trying to stop me. I love it. The, the, the hole isn't doing that, and the goalposts aren't doing that in your football game. <laughs> the only thing that is, is such a uniquely competitive take on it. And uh, yeah, my no one stopping me from the six foot putt is my hands. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a complete and, and spasm and putt at thirty five feet, and, and your knees knocking. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we got a text that apparently somebody says that it was a Coca Cola commercial. That was the two on two thing that was involved yeah, with hockey night in likely. Canada. There you go. Now so we're that's talking. From, that's from Will in Oshawa. So I'm going to try to dig that up. But okay. Anyways, okay. There you go. We can get into hockey now. Those are just two things that are on my mind. All right. We got <laughs> we got Toronto and Dallas. And speaking of um, a competitiveness, I want to start our show off on on Kippers Clippers with how Keith approaches a game going into. Mm-hmm. Competitors very of the Dallas, Dallas Stars, yeah. and how Pete DeBoer goes into this as with competitors of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Compare and contrast, if you will, and how where their wheels turn on selecting their comments publicly. So right. let's go to Sheldon Keefe because it's fairly consistent on what we hear when he talks about his opponent. Have a listen. And pay attention to just the, the detail on commenting on his opposition. Yeah. Let's have a listen. Just a really good team in, in a lot of areas. 5-on-5, five five, power play, penalty kill, goaltending. Obviously have, you know, top scorer in the league and a top line in the league. So, uh, yeah, good good team in all facets and, and, and deep as well. Good mix of size and speed. Youth and experience, they got, they got a little bit of everything there. Okay, I, I think I heard about wow. seven different things about Dallas. PK, experience, size, yeah, speed, all power of it. play. They got it all picked to play. Yeah, yeah, really thorough. Very thorough. Complimentary. Let's go to Pete DeBoer right now as he talks about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's listen for the detail out of Peter DeBoer. Uh, you know what? Again, I don't. I don't know. They're in the other conference. I, I don't spend a lot of time on them. They, they haven't given up a lot lately, so ah. my focus has been kind of the last three to five games on them. Um, they look like they're playing fairly tight. They're getting good goaltending. You know, I think uh, I, I, I'm not the guy to speak on that. You'd have to ask him. <laughs> he's, he's the head coach I of the give club. Him, I give I'm not him the guy to ask. Goaltending. I don't know what it. I think I caught a highlight out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> and I saw somebody a make a save. I don't care. Basically, he's saying, "Don't ask me about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care about them." Yeah. I will say this is consistent with what I know about Sheldon as a coach in that he, I told you guys before, he sells every opponent to the opposition like they're the greatest in the world. I mean, stats, video, you know, it, you know, being the video guy for him, looking at their systems in every facet of the game days before, DeBoer's like, ah, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. Is, I'm is, worried about the Dallas Stars. Is, is that just like because that old, bulletin board kind of material don't give them anything to or you know can can Sheldon keep go back to his players and say hey listen this guy doesn't he shows us no respect here yes I think he can you think that say, works? I, I thought Sammy was showing us that or playing that for us when we got to work today because he was saying like 
you know, look at Sheldon. It's too much. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know if that was the point at all, but my actual takeaway was like DeBoer should be a little embarrassed. No, like, shouldn't you care a little bit or know something more? Well, Here, here's my thought. Cause okay. I, I think that it's one guy. He didn't say, co- he, by the way, he didn't say F Toronto. No, <laughs> I think it's a guy that's been coaching for a hundred years versus a guy that's been coaching for three years in the NHL. It's a guy that like feels yes. that maybe that he's Sammy nailed it. That he yeah. still needs. I'm to, too old now to kiss yeah. their ass. Or Again, Sheldon, I don't, I don't know. On the other, other hand, call. says I'm just starting out and uh, I'm going to go the the respect route. Yeah. See, I don't think it's I'm too old to kiss their ass. It's like. I don't think all that stuff matters. I, I feel like Sheldon Keefe is like a new coach in the league and he's trying to use every source of information he has. And DeBoer's like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if our guys don't play well. I just think it's different styles. Can I tell you something? When I first got a job on radio with Sportsnet, I started working with Merrick and Stewie. Uh, it was like our first show. Hockey Central at noon you did, yeah. right? Yes. I, I, I think you, st- you took my job, I think. <laughs> I don't think that. They were like, who will do it for one eighteenth of the salary? And I was like, I will. <laughs> but when I got here, and this is not meant as shade at all to those guys who are awesome, but I couldn't believe that we didn't do more pre-show analysis of the game, like watch the game, pick it apart, dissect it. You know, what are we going to... Because really, I learned after doing this for years, that's not the good stuff, and it's tough to share that you have to do sort of higher level stuff on the radio. We do both, though. We here. do. I think we do a really good job, and that's just me patting us on the back. But to the point about DeBoer, I don't think he's been around long enough to know you don't need to do all the, you know, pumping up the other team and looking through everything, bit of data. You got your team has to play well, and so maybe he's just been around long enough to know to focus on the bigger things than to pick through all the little nits. You are definitely onto something. Yeah, because. That's the feeling I got out of John Cooper on a early December game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. That he at he's he's basically saying I've been around long enough. Uh I'm not beating these guys down late November, early yeah. December on attention to details and just it's a long year go out there and play and all we got to do is just get in the playoffs. Like the attention to detail between now probably Peter DeBoer tonight or Mm -hmm. even John Cooper compared to a guy like Sheldon, who's now, as Sammy said, just a couple of years in is night and day. Yeah. And when, when you get into the, the DeBoers and even the Bruce Cassidy's, they're good coaches for sure who have that shelf life that's been around for like tens of years now mm-hmm. where the guys know that they're a good coach but I'm just tired of your crap yeah and they get fired and they're not fired because they're lousy they turned into lousy coaches it's because they just need a different voice now a yeah. different tune and they're not they're not wasting those moments in November right. and December. And admittedly, I've had this concern. I had this concern when I worked for Sheldon where I was like, some days I was like, can we just not watch the video for a night? Like, not because it, it was my job. I had to regardless. But, like, do we have to go through, do the guys need to hear the same thing again? 
you know, do you need to go pick through the other teams, every detail? Like sometimes you just got to say, we're going to take care of our own stuff, play our systems, go play well. I don't know that every game you can prime your team up the way that Sheldon does. It's getting redundant. <laughs> what a great drop. I expected you to be watching Portugal and, and, and not paying attention, Brandale. And, and there are times when I do hear rumblings that they 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 get tired of, of, of Sheldon's attention to detail. It is a lot. It the is meetings, a lot. Yeah. the video. Uh, the four or five a day on uh, game day, extra, this extra, that, uh, skills coach done practice into the office for a little one-on-one on the ice after it's, it's a lot. So as he gets older, I, I I'm sure he's going to pick his spots better. And I do think that part of the reason it may still kind of work is they haven't broken through. Like no one in that room has really had the success to say this isn't going to work. Like they, they have to yeah. push through and do more right now. They can't afford to take the foot off, but the next contract will help them out a lot. Will help him out a lot, Sheldon. Yes. Like and being able to be like, okay, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm exactly. Going to be paid. Yes. Not trying to prove myself every second. Correct. Yeah, good point. And that also has to follow Kyle getting a new contract. Right? right. When's that happening? So. Remember when I said is... that by it was like decision time by Christmas on Kyle? If you're going to extend him out? Yeah, right? that's not tree, happening. That didn't happen. The tree's up. So no, no, that's, <laughs> that's not happening. So he, he's going to finish the year with no contract. I don't right? know. I, I can't tell you that. I'm just saying it's not happening today or tomorrow. No. And it's probably not happened before uh, New Year's. And then where's the team? Where's the record? What's it look like? I just think it would be really hard um, for Kyle to march into that uh, that office at MLSC so? and say, okay, boys, uh, you want to take another crack at me? You don't think so? Deadlines what, like March third this year or something like that? Derek just, besides celebrating yet another beautiful Portugal goal, he brought up to me. Remember when Ron Wilson tweeted on Christmas Day? I got a nice little present in my stocking, like a contract extension. Yeah. Maybe the same thing happens with Dubas. Christmas Day. <laughs> there could be there could be a change for sure. But like, don't you think before but March third? I, I don't. I don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I don't see a guy that. Uh, they purposely left out of an extension going into this season who's had consecutive exits in the first round, mm-hmm. getting a long-term deal because you had a wonderful November. So don't you think, though, that he can go into the office, they're second in the Atlantic, they're doing great, and he can go in there and say, you guys are asking me to make some huge yeah. decisions here. I need another year of term on my contract to know that I'm building towards the future or something. I, uh, yes, he can go and ask. <laughs> he's allowed to ask. Yes, they don't absolutely. Have to give it to he's allowed I to ask. Like, I actually kind of like the idea of I making just, a guy just, well, you're under contract, I, go work and we'll do a new one this summer. I just don't, um, I don't see a, cha- a change of philosophy. If our show is doing really well, would you go in and ask for a new, new contract at any point? Just go in and say, look, <laughs> Sorry, we'll, I won't flip it around to you. And they're like, uh, you are... <laughs> you are... Uh, Kit Niprios? Yeah, 20 years here. Uh, <laughs> no, it still means nothing to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, I get the idea. He and Kyle's a big fan of, if you have time, use it with other guys' contracts. So I, Here we are. So, you know, it's interesting now because now we're going to see... Um, who's Who's the kid again getting called up here? 
Semyon Dragachinsev. Thank you very much. Uh, and we're going to call him SDA. 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 And he's going to make his debut, which mm-hmm. uh, we didn't really see this. I mean, M- Mulgan, we know how you felt about him before. I was right. You had a change of heart <laughs> on him. I was him. wrong on the change of heart. And now, is, is he back out right now? Yeah, he is. He's is he back. on the way out? Well, he's just back to, he's what I thought he was at the beginning. <laughs> I had it right the first time, I think. Here's, so, yeah. see, this is starting to bug me right now mm. because I am a firm believer of, if you're going to try to believe in a, a fourth line in October, November, it would be nice if they had a way to just maintain that look throughout the whole year. But are we now in a a juggling mode with SDA and Mulgan eventually coming in and Wayne Simmons sometimes once every 12 days, 14 yeah. days, 16 days? Is, is this now the bottom six look now? You know, Mulgan has one point in his last 11 games. Like, I, I understand your point about consistency and, like, letting them work through it a little bit. But at some point, he's just not effective. He's not contributing in any way, so I get scratching him. Yarn Crocs hurt. If you look at the guys they were going to call up, uh, Kyle Clifford's hurt. Adam Gaudet is hurt. Remember Gaudet this summer was, like, an exciting signing for this team that he might be able to do something? So wow, he came in. Uh, I mean, there's there's a pedigree. There's Vancouver. Yeah. He's had some success other places. Yeah, and yeah. now he's not getting a sniff. No, and you know now he's hurt, so they can't call him up. So this SDA thing seems to me like for next year, like after his entry level contract, can they find a, you know a cheap spot for him? Right, they're always looking for a guy in the cheap. I think this is like a next year look. Somebody's got to do it. He's playing well. See, the other thing too is. And I mentioned this about um, can, can you turn some of these guys into some sort of asset? Is that what's going on right now? Does it help Kyle that he's pulling some of his draft choices up and giving them NHL experience to the point where can can someone look at Hollowell after the last week and a half, two weeks? No, I'm serious. And just say... Eh, I see something there. I think he can play or like all of these guys and I'm and and SDA will be one of those guys where he should not should not embarrass himself. He shouldn't embarrass Kyle. He's going to come in and and maybe he even has some success and uh, puck bounces off his ass or he scores a highlight goal and just all of a sudden it's like whoa. Mm -hmm. And is it enough to to say that, hey, look, look at my draft picks now. They're 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 coming along, and you know maybe there's somebody that could be interested in somebody enough to throw him in in a deal. Is is that's is that what maybe is going on right now? You got to kind yeah. of pro- prop up your own people a little bit and 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 show some value out of it. You know, I don't know. And it can't hurt Kyle if some of these guys hit. For sure. And, oh, by the way, I need a new contract. Look look how great my my prospects are doing. The 2018 draft may have been his first. And that draft for them is Sandine, Derzy, Durargan Chinsev, Hollowell, Crawl, Holmberg. Like, all these guys haven't played a ton for the Leafs. But, you know, Dubas can at least say, hey, boy, look at, you know, six of my draft picks made NHL appearances. And, and what was it? 
with Hunter. Like, none of them did for a stretch there, right? Like, it's probably yeah. something where he, you know, has a little bit of, not necessarily competitiveness in it, but there's, there's no way that means nothing to him. I agree that it, you would want that reflected. But, and, uh, by and the, the way, these guys his, have not made it. I'm just saying. And it's his team, and he has the ability to call them up, and he has the ability to talk to the coach to put them in the lineup, and he thinks they're good. He drafted them, obviously, so. Yeah. I don't know. It's I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't take some pride in the fact that there's so many OHL guys in the lineup, too. Like, he's he's really picked from the OHL. You think of everybody that's on that second pa- unit, there's Sault Ste. Marie, the Peets, everything. It's just, I, I, as an OHL guy, I do take a little bit of pride in that, so I love that part of it with Davis. Timmons yeah. playing tonight, yeah. his first game. Yes. Yep. Was it Justin Hall who said that you uh, saw him shoot a puck and it's harder than anything I've seen all yeah. season long, basically? He had a bomb in practice. Get him in. Ah, it's great. I mean, you got to get him in at some point. He's been around the team for five games. I don't actually understand why he hadn't been in yet. But... I heard, uh, like, Arizona sat there and, and heard Justin Hall talk about his shot and go, oh, my God, we forgot to look at his slap shot. <laughs> yeah. What happens if it's great? Why did we trade him? This is the, the start of how things blow up in Toronto. Timmons. Who would have known Timmons shot. had this bomb of a shot? Yeah. And we let him go for next to nothing. The only thing I will say on the SDAs and Mulligans and all the rest of them as they continue to kind of come in and experiment and maybe have a good week or not have a good week, it really is going to come down to April on, boys, and can these guys, and Hollowell's another guy, can they help me win that time of year? And it's one thing to look at them and say, can they play one week consecutively in mid-November or December? But can they help me win a playoff round against a team like Tampa Bay? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if a couple of these guys were, I don't know, just straight line guys? Bigger guys, north-south guys, where... I think Holmberg's got the best chance. But that's that's why he has the best chance of playing in playoffs. They don't expect him to do anything but the right things. He doesn't have to create or produce or do the hard things of being a forward. And they need some cheap guys to fill in and do those things. You know, for a guy like SDA, he's of no use if he's not doing things to the puck and making plays. All right, in about uh, 20 minutes, we're going to go to our uh, number one analyst here at uh, Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada. Craig Simpson's going to join us, help us tee up Leafs and Dallas in the second hour. Daryl Ray, Dallas Stars TV analyst uh, for Bally Sports. He's going to come by in the second hour. And and Dallas boys, all of a sudden, a team that you wouldn't look twice at last year and looking like one of those teams that could – Get to a conference final. They seem to have some some good pieces and one of the best young ones in, in Jason Robertson. Uh, we'll get uh, we'll get our thoughts on uh, Nick's brother a little later on. But let's uh, let's talk a little uh, consecutive streaks because Robertson has one of those. Marner looking to become the fifth different player in the, just the last twenty five years, guys. Twenty five years with a point streak of twenty games or more. That's not a lot of guys. That ain't many guys at all. 24 and 26 this season for Marner. So let's go on Sheldon Keefe on the, the point streaks. Yeah, very similar. We're talking about, you know, obviously he's not scoring at the same rate as, as Robertson at this point. Nobody is, but uh, just the consistency with this play, I, I think 
again, because it's coming in all areas of the game, it just gives our group confidence, gives our group life. Um, you know, as the season approaches Christmas here, and even though we've got a long ways to go, it's just something that kind of you can attach yourself to. And the guy, when he scores the other night, it's a huge goal for us. The guys are really excited for it. I think lots of that kind of stuff can get your team going, but, but certainly when you have a player like Mitch, uh, that makes a difference in so many areas of the game and is, is having a run right here now that he's finding a way under, under the sheet every night. You know, just another great thing for your team to have. You want me to jump right into Peter DeBoer's uh, <laughs> comments on Robertson's streak and yes. kind of compare them again? Yes. <laughs> I do enjoy the contrast. Okay. Let's do it. Please. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't spend a lot of time on that. I was talking to Jason <laughs> this morning just about, uh, you know, and, and he's a uh, he's a hockey nut. Like, I mean, he, he knows everything. So I was, I thought I might catch him with, you know, the uh, who had the longest streak in history, just to put it in perspective for himself, uh, you know, the difference between Gretzky at 51 or two and where these guys are. And, you know, and my, my point was, you know, boy, this is really impressive what both you guys have done, and it feels like you've scored every night for a long time, and, and Gretzky's record still, you know, 30-some-odd games in, in, down the road. It's, ama- it's, a, it's an incredible... Uh, number when you think about it, uh, you know, and considering what these guys are doing right now. So, but he knew he knew all that. He didn't. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't uh, enlightening him on uh, on any of the statistics of, of the history of the game. So DeBoer is not paying attention to what the Leafs are up to. He's not paying attention <laughs> to what his own guys up to. So DeBoer, what would you say? You do here. <laughs> I'm almost waiting for him to pull a, a, a John Tortorella and say, "You guys ask really." Dumb questions. (laughs) It is funny, though, that he said that Robertson is like this obsessive stat nerd type guy. That is, there are some players who are like that, and his brother is a lot like that, who plays for the Leafs and scores slightly less. Runs It was almost like he's complimenting them, but he's not really complimenting them. Totally, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, and then it's like Gretzky at 51. What do you guys have, like 12, (laughs) 13? Like... It's like, yeah, okay, you shot 80 today. Great. That guy just shot 64. But your 80 is really good. Really impressed with your 80. Yeah. It's a. Uh... Just goes back to the same thing of a guy that's been in the league forever and seen a lot of stuff with Pete DeBurl. Coach Pete DeBurl coached a lot of great players, probably seen some point streaks in his day. And, you know, he doesn't really care. We might as well stay with the theme and have Keith talk about Robertson's production because he now has 23 goals and leads the NHL in goals All right. ahead of Connor McDavid. Yeah, it's oh. interesting. I was you know, just watching and prepping for it. You can see some of the reactions of their players and their bench and things uh, when he scores at that rate. Um, it at times can get a little comical because it just, I mean, it's a real hard league to score in, but then it seems... For players like that on on the runs like that, that it seems like it's not a very hard league to score. And so, uh, yeah, I think it brings a lot to your team for sure. And you always feel like you're you're in every game. I mean, they're down big the other night and uh, other afternoon, I guess, and it doesn't phase them. So I think you know they've got a lot of confidence in themselves as a team, as they should. They've been playing a lot of really good hockey, and like I said, they're doing it in all facets. It's not just relying on on one player. They're they're executing in all areas of the game really well. So. Um, yeah, it does. It does bring a lot for sure to your team when you have a guy like that. But I think all of that is is uh, just part of the story with this team. Twenty three goals, forty one points in just twenty five games, and this is a guy that 
uh, held out and missed training camp. So funny, too, because everyone who holds out seems like they have bad years and the pressure they can't handle it. This guy just shoots it in the hockey net. It's almost, uh, it's almost like it's just the, the perfect scenario for this guy. And it seemed like forever that this was uh, Jamie Benz and Tyler Sagan's team. Mm-hmm. And clearly, based on the cap friendly, it is. Yes. But it's not. Oh. And that's where Robertson comes in. And he's like the new, this is my team. Yeah. In many ways, it's his team now. He's just maybe just too young and naive to realize it right now. Didn't the owner like last year be like, boy, we could really use some more out of Ben and Sagan. Yeah, Didn't he like throw the him under the bus? Has, yes, yes, called those guys out yeah. in the past. It's crazy though. Like you look at, it's only Drysaddle and McDavid ahead of Robertson. And those guys, their uh, time on ice per game played is 23 minutes and 22 and a half minutes. Robertson plays 17. Seven, sorry, 17.45. 47. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yep. So he's under 18 minutes He's and he's putting up these numbers. McDavid has 23 power play points. Robertson 14. So at even strength, yep. he's leading the league. This is taken over from Calgary's uh, number one line last season in the NHL. Yeah, that, that was, was a uh, Goudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk. Yes, that's right. So now we speak of Robertson, Rupe, Hints, and Pavelski as the top line right now in the NHL. So let's ask uh, Sheldon Keefe how how he sees that line and, and the challenges tonight. Well, I think it's an interesting, the line has got a great, great balance of so many different things, and you see it all come together. I mean, Hintz is among the fastest skaters in the NHL, and then you got uh, Pavelski and Robertson both that are not as fleet of foot on the wings, but are incredibly smart players that are in the right spots, that are around the net, they score in so many different ways. Pavelski is as good as anybody there is at tipping pucks and finding rebounds and such, and Robertson can either score from anywhere on the rink, and the same time knows where to be at the right times and then when you kind of take those guys away all of a sudden hits can come flying out of nowhere so the line itself has got uh, a lot of great elements and obviously have tremendous chemistry uh, but I think as to, for Pavelski I think it's just intelligence and commitment to his craft and all those kind of things to be able to just continue to do it at such a high level. Keith is unbelievable like Sorry, where are you going? No, I was just, go ahead. I was just say, like, uh, he just knows it. He's like, yeah, Hintz is a Pisces, and uh, his mother's left-handed. Like, he just knows everything about these guys, detail-wise. Uh, obviously, puts in a lot of time and effort to their opponents. I just, you look at Rube Hintz with the speed and the power, and then you got Pavelski, who's got the net front presence. Yeah. And then you got Robertson, who finds areas to shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. It like it's just it just seems like a, a perfect yeah. fit right now. And I like the idea of different speeds on a line. Like I know some people want people to be able to skate together, but like Pavelski and Robertson are very different than Hints. And that's something the Leafs really used with Mikheyev last year, right? That he'd be in the top six and all of a sudden playing with Tavares and then the different speeds used to throw people off, I feel like. It's a, it's tough to defend when you you got to back off because one guy's fast, but the other guys are east west guys. A lot of talent on that team. Should we go to brother Nick, who will be in the lineup, which will be fun again? Yeah, for fans to watch uh, the brothers uh, go at it again. I tell you, if I'm Nick, I'm not taking any more pregame pictures. Like 
it's you've been in the league, you've played each other. You're, it's fringe whether you're going to the American Hockey League or not right now. What do you think about that? And he got asked, like I listened to the, all the pregame audio today, he got asked every question was comparing him to his brother. Yeah. And he's and like, it's got to it's got to drive you insane. Yeah. Like cuz there's no way he's your he's your older brother. You're competitive as hell. You're in the NHL. All you care about is being better, being good, and you're getting asked about your literal brother who is way better the than world's you. best player yeah, right like, just, he's like so <laughs> how, how do you how do you play what like your brother you what's wrong in, with you? in nicer words it's gonna drive you insane so it's so funny you, you mentioned that like uh the picture yeah. time because my first game i played against mary lemieux obviously i'm on the fourth line and there's a matchup but you know there'd be times i would actually extend my shift hoping that mario would jump on and someone would take a picture <laughs> on the ice at the same time yes. for a picture, really? Yes. That's pretty awesome. Hoping to hang a frame. I, I don't think I ever saw a picture of me and Mario yeah. on the ice at the same time, but that's how you think. You know what? I will say there was a time when uh, Austin Matthews was at development camp and I would hold the rope behind him for like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, hope we get some shots of me teaching Austin Matthews how to hockey. Never All right, happened. let's go to... You did that, eh? Do we have yeah, a, we got to do, do we some have work. A, that's cool. Sammy, do we have a clip of uh, yeah. Brother Nick? Talking about yeah, and it's really Jason it's and fun. what he could uh, maybe still learn from his brother. Yes, it's funny. Let's hear it. I think his poise is really good and the way he shoots the puck. And uh, I think we both have good shots. And uh, I think one thing I could take away from him is just his confidence with the puck and shooting it. So uh, I think that's one thing I look at is, you know, he's shooting a lot. He's shooting, finding ways to get shots in there, finding a way to score. So that's one thing I can look at. You guys heard me freak out about this before the show. I can't believe he said shooting. He said shooting six times in a 13-second clip. Shoot, 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 shoot. Everything is a hammer to a nail, and all he wants to do is shoot. He wants he sees someone who scores. He thinks they're a shooter. He stays out after practice. He works in the shooting. But he has been built this way. Shooting. Right? That's all he wants. But that's, that's his bread and butter. He knows that's what's going to ultimately uh, keep me in the NHL. The only question is, is when, it's, when you're not shooting... Yeah. What are you doing? You get like two shoots per game. <laughs> you know, there's 15 minutes of ice time or whatever you would like to have. What do you do the rest of the time? Hey, the, listen. That's what needs work, not the shoot thing. There, there aren't many guys that would can can when 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 it's all said and done, you look back and you're like, okay, there's some guys that are legit. I I, I don't felt I got a a fair shake. I didn't mm-hmm. get a good opportunity. This guy's playing with Tavares and Marner. Like, yeah. it doesn't get any better, Nick, than that. No. Might, so, maybe you could quibble over some power play time or something, but this is a good opportunity. You should find poise <laughs> and confidence mm-hmm. when you get the puck in the offensive zone, and you will. With Marner and Tavares, you will. And you also know that you can trust your your guys. If you give it to them, you'll get it back. Mitch Marner will well, give it back. Listen, he wants to give it back. I put a stat in the lineup today that is incredibly relevant to this conversation from Sport Logic uh, that Marner's completed more passes into the slot than any player in the NHL this year. 110 completed passes into the slot. So get to the slot. If you, so if you go <laughs> see what this stat is, if you go to the slot, Marner passes it really well that area. Yeah. There there are some nights that Marner should have like four or five points. Yeah. If some of these guys could just finish. Get to the spots. That's, you know, and uh, 
forget who it was. It was Oates. We had Oates on yesterday, and he was talking about how it's not just that Brett Hall shoots it or Austin Matthews shoots it so well. They know when to get open. Like, they're content in coverage, being covered, until they can see a play developing where they need to create that separation. That's something they do exceptionally well, and that's a huge skill in being a scorer is finding the time to get the separation, to get to the area, to do the shooting. And the Leafs get Jake Ottinger tonight. They saw Wedgwood last time they played the Stars when they beat him in OT, so they get the the number one tonight with Ottinger, which is a much different test than uh, Wedgwood, I would say. Last few games, I'm I'm thinking, starting to see signs of missing Morgan. Starting to see signs of a no shutdown guy like Muzzin, physical Brody and Brody. Mm -hmm. And tonight, you're going to see Giordano, Hull, Sandine, Lilligren, Victor Mete, and Timmins. Mm. Like, what is what is this going to look like playing against a Pretty heavy team and arguably the best line in hockey. I will say I was on my, uh, you know, thinking about bets today. And at some point, this Leafs decor is going to cost them. And when you have people playing above their true talent level or above their where they should be in the lineup, eventually. Above their, a, above their weight class. Right. Eventually you find out, you're reminded why they aren't consistently where you have them slotted. And I keep waiting for that to happen. It is a concern against a big team. You know what Jamie Ben did Austin Matthews last time they played with a couple of shots to the old kidneys. Yeah, apparently um, apparently Brody's pretty close. So that'd be a massive boost. So you don't have to Huge. play. Like I, I doubt Connor Timmons would probably stick around when. He comes back, right? Like you, you think Hallowell? I, I don't know. Like Mete? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but I agree that, that one of these games, one of these games, surely to God, it's going to catch up to them. I would say Murray had his first shaky one in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what's the over on tonight? I could see, I could see a couple of pucks going in the net tonight. Yeah, I've, I've got leafy concerns tonight. I'll be honest. The uh... I, I liked, uh, I liked the. the the Dallas team, two teams that have really stood out for me so far uh, to start the season, Dallas and, and New Jersey against the Leafs. Mm-hmm. They, they, both, both those clubs showed me something. Dallas is, what are they? Are they first in their division? First in their division, 14-6-5. Uh, and five, Tied for plus, second in the West. Tied for second in the West, plus 26 goal differential, and they're 0-5 in overtime. So they could be five, you know, a few points better at least. Between the Leafs and the Stars, by the way, the Stars are the only team the Leafs have beaten in overtime. You remember Nick Robertson's put them away early in the year. Oh. 11 overtime games, one win between these two talented teams. So you're calling for overtime oh, tonight. Oh, I'm calling for overtime. Oh, overtime would be excellent tonight. <laughs> just team, they're just turning it over to each other just over and over. That would be uh, hey, consecutive points, man. Keep them coming. Yeah, it's true. That, yeah. would be, uh, that would be almost like a win, getting a point tonight for them. In, I really do. In Dallas with this decor, yes. I think they're in tough for sure. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break here. Craig Simpson after the break, two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's calling the game tonight, Dallas and the Leafs. Simmers up next after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Toronto Maple Leafs set to take on the Dallas Stars tonight. Sammy is our friend Simmer. 
Looks like he's having a chit-chat with him. I'm on Hockey Central tonight with Ken Reed and Mike Fuda. Nice. Kenny Reed. It's going to be fun. Ken Reed's good. Good dude. Yeah, really good dude. Did a round table with him uh, last week at a Trekkers convention. <laughs> I think Kenny would have been perfect for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Okay, let's welcome in Craig Simpson, who gets to call the game tonight. Simmer, how are you, pal? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? So the Leafs face the Dallas Stars, who are the highest scoring team in the league right now with the likes of Mete, Timmons, uh, Hall. I mean, if if by chance that the Leafs keep Dallas to three goals or less, should we just give Sheldon the Jack Adams for Coach of the Year <laughs> award after the game? Well, I, I think we were on, I can't remember how many weeks ago when this all started with the injury problems on the back end. And, you know, back then we said every coach will, you've heard it a million times, both of you, I'm sure, is you, you can't focus on who's not in your lineup. You got to focus on who's there and really try to put something together that, that makes up for the guys that you're missing. And I, I think you watch this team over the course of what the, 11 games straight they've been able to get a point in is it's been a collective defense. It really has been uh, impressive in the way that the, the forwards have been committed to coming back deep to protecting the, the slot to, to giving their defenseman a quick out. And uh, I just think that it's really forced this team and galvanized the team on, on how they have to play uh, defensively to have success. And, you know, when you look at, what happens in the most important time of the year and that's playoff time is there's games that you got to play that way and you've got to be comfortable playing a a 2-1 or a 3-2 game. Uh, John Cooper said last weekend, you know, the one thing he notices about the Leafs is typically they were happy to play in those 5-4 or 6-5 games. Now they look comfortable uh, playing in a 2-1 or a 3-2 and finding a way to win that way. You know, obviously the last game, got away from them uh, and and Tampa was able to take advantage of their power play and come back, but they still, you know, played a confident game, not a cheating offensive game and tried to keep it tight. And that's really been the secret to the success that they've had during this time w- without the guys on the back end that they've been missing. You know, one of their challenges over the past few years when they have got to playoffs is they haven't had that, bottom six success you know whether you however you determine success whether it's scoring or it's physical play they just kind of haven't got anything there and it's it feels like they're searching for something tonight they get sda in the lineup um you know do you think that they've learned anything about uh, the direction they want to go or the personnel they want to have in that part of the lineup this time around well I, i think they're getting there and i think you still see Sheldon tweaking and changing and trying to look for, for maybe some continuity there. Uh, who's going to be your, your solid third line that you can trust uh, uh, in any matchup? Is your fourth line a line that you can honestly play at a critical time? And I, I think he's getting there. I think he's still continually tweaking. And uh, Dragan Chintev will get you know another opportunity. It looks like Mulgan seems to be the guy that uh, falls out when the, another opportunity is in. I think it's going to be really important, um, and I've said it, Chris and I were talking about it a bit today, that you know Kerfoot is such a guy that moves up and down in the lineup and often gets back into that top six role 
to maybe try to settle things down. But I think defensively, the top two lines have been great. So there hasn't been any need to sort of solidify defensively. I think you need, realistically, Kerfoot to be an anchor in one of those bottom six roles. And if you can find that and slot in, whether it's Robertson gets a chance to play a little bit longer and see if he can play in a top six role or rotate around up there, I think that's where it does allow you to not be worried about a matchup, to have a little bit more consistency in that uh, bottom six role. And you were saying whatever that means, having a good bottom six. I, I think the biggest problem in the past, not just that they would maybe get scored on more than you can afford uh, your, your bottom two lines to get, but in the past, they've been the momentum killers. Like you, you have a couple of good lines with your top guys and it doesn't continue through. Or there are times in games where you need uh, that third and fourth line to be the motivator, to, to have a good shift where they pin a top line in their own zone. Now you get a change on the fly. You get some guys tired. I think that's probably been the, the biggest improvement in the bottom six is they have at times been the one that generates the chance or uh, draws a penalty, which now your power play goes and can score a goal on. That's something when you get to playoff time. You, you can't have that momentum swing go the other way every time the bottom six gets out. You have to start building it your way. And I think they've been better at that, especially through this, uh, you know, 11-game stretch. You're coming fresh off of the Tampa Bay game where you watched a fourth line of Maroon, Perry, and Belmar. And, man, you just think, okay, end of your careers, you're running out of gas, and I thought they were very effective is there still a sense that no matter how much you shuffle the FDAs or the Mulligans in and out, that 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 type of style of mauling a little bit on a forecheck and uh, ugly uh, cycles <laughs> well, is still the way to go, Simmer? Well, you you look at the combination there, though. You you got. I, I do think you know if you're not going to score, you can change momentum with some good physical play get in and get a hit get in and turn you know a defenseman uh paste him to the boards now you spend 25 30 seconds in the offensive zone cycling down low you know maroon can do that belmar can do that perry's got great hands can can make plays in those little tight areas so you need that combination of that but i I think you know that is where yeah that line specifically think last year they scored 39 goals and you know, some people might say, oh, that's not a whole lot. Well, if if you're, you know, if your bottom three forwards each have 13 goals, you know, look at what that does to your lineup. I mean, that, that's an important goal at a critical time that might change a game. And so I think that is what you kind of hope you can find and get. I don't think the Leafs are there on a consistent basis yet, but I do think that's, that's a bit of the improvement. Now, they don't have necessarily the – the beef that uh, you're talking about on that line. But if that line can be hard checking and, and not irresponsible defensively and get in and do that offensive zone time, which is really when the Leafs are playing well, it's puck possession in the offensive zone. So if your fourth line guys can continue that on, that's where you finally got something and it can really end up where maybe the top line comes out, keeps the pressure going, the next line comes out and say Nylander gets a goal. You know, that's, that's right. really what you have to have 
to have that success come playoff time. Samer, I just want a quick momentary detour off the Leafs to ask about something you mentioned there, the, you know, the beef, the guys, the physical stuff. There's been some huge hits in the NHL lately, and you were a part of the NHL during a much more physical era, but you've also watched and called games all the way through. What are your thoughts now on the sudden sort of reemergence of just random one-off explosion hits? Where do you stand on their value and, I guess, how we got here? Yeah, you know, it seems like you go through little phases or stages where, Nothing's happened. The game's wide open and it's all offense. And then you do find yourself like we've had where all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where did that one come from? And, you know, some some incredible hits that, uh, you know, for the most part, not necessarily dirty. It's just lining guys up in, in vulnerable spots. And so uh, I think it's still because of the speed of the game, it, it's still an element. It becomes a lot more difficult, I find, in the transition game that you have and the the skill level of some of the guys that it's not easy for a defenseman to line a guy up anymore. Like look at how many guys can handle the puck in, in tight areas and make little deceptive cuts and moves that make you look silly. So I think defensemen typically during this stage of how fast the game is are less apt to be having that one opportunity where a guy really does have his head down or he's bobbling with the puck where you get to stand up and really make that kind of aggressive play. Um, but let's face it, 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 over the course of an 82 game times 32 teams, you're going to have stretches where you've had the ones that we've seen. And for the most part, you know, I, I think you've got to be cognizant on the ice that this is still a physical game. You can't be going through the neutral zone and in those tight areas without your, you know, your sensors going and being aware that you might get hit. So it's a good reminder, I would say, to the players now that so often we talk about the great individual skills and the and the speed of the game and being able to transition and, and you know, have odd man rushes, things like that that do happen. But it's still that middle of the ice area. You You have to have your head up and be wary that there's an opportunity where you're going to get you know, blown up in a situation like that. And this has just been a stretch where, what, there's been two, three in the last uh, two or three days. So I don't think I've watched personally a, a, a team that gives me a, a bigger feel of being big and heavy than the Dallas Stars. So right. is this is this the test for the Leafs and, and Kyle and what he's built to say that high-end skill can, can beat big and heavy? And, you know, I, I know it's just one game and a seven game series is a different beast. But will this go a long way tonight to assure fans that, you know, the Leafs have been on to something all these years with the high end skill? Yeah, it's, it's an important test. And, and you're right. When you get into a series and potentially play a team, you know, seven times in 12 days, it becomes very different because the individual matchups become the storyline there. Who's who's owning who? Who's you know got a defenseman looking over his shoulder every time because he's been nailed ten times a game by the same guy? So that that's what's great about playoff matchups in that regard. But this is one that you know I've always said you you, you play with the makeup of your team and play to its strengths. So if you're you're not going to get into an out hit game with the Dallas Stars here. So what you have to really be cognizant of and, and execute uh, to a high level is having good, quick support puck movement. You know, can I've seen like a guy like Sandine's a good example. He's been run over a number of times going back to get a puck, 
and he gets up, he gets playing, but he's made the play and taken the hit. And, and if you're going to be an undersized defenseman, that's got to be your skill set to, to not have that fear of going, but get back a little bit quicker. And as I said, right now, defensively, the forwards are back in a better position where they're not hanging their defensemen out. And that's how all of a sudden you slow down that big physical opponent that you're playing against. Two quick puck movements, uh, transition into the neutral zone, and you're backing them off because now you've got a potential for a three-on-two going the other way. And it's not an easy game to play. You know that you're not a bigger team and, and probably not a tougher team, but play to your strengths. And it'll be a good test tonight. Can you move the puck quicker then they can move their legs. And that's how you counteract a team that wants to come in and dump it soft into a corner and start, you know, riding the defense every single time. If you can make three or four of those plays when they're trying to be aggressive and create odd man rushes, that, that backs off that game that Dallas wants to play if you execute it well. Simmer, what's your take now that we're sort of a quarter of the way through the season on uh, Austin Matthews coming off a Hart Trophy season? You know, not it's not like he's been bad at all, right? He's got 12 no. goals, but he's, he's tied with guys in scoring like Martin Natchez and, you know, Brock Nelson, Jeff Skinner. What are your thoughts on what's going on here with just a little bit less of an offensive output than expected for him? Yeah, I thought earlier on it was unusual that I, I thought he missed a lot of shots that you're not used to seeing him miss. And I, and I don't mean, like, not score. I mean, miss the net and just be off a little bit. So I thought more so earlier on, it didn't look like he, his rhythm was there. His, his shot wasn't nearly as dangerous. I, I think it's improved a lot. What, what I've really been impressed with, though, is just his demeanor. Like, this is the start of a season like no other. You know, he's always had great expectations and had a great start to his career. But you're coming in as the reigning, you know, Hart Trophy winner. And that's just a, a completely different element. You know you get game planned. You know uh, I've seen it all since the start of the season. Toronto's still been, you know, I think they're third or fourth in puck possession in the offensive zone. And, and that's really something they do really well. But as we've seen, five on five, they haven't been able to execute it and haven't been nearly as productive. And I, I can definitely see teams – not running out, not running uh, and getting into a cycle. They're playing more of a zone in the middle, taking away those cross-seam passes where Matthews might get a, you know, a high slot, easy, quick release, uh, and, and it's in the back of the net. Those have been taken away more. And that's just the respect you have coming in as the Hart Trophy winner and the Rocket Richard winner. And even as a team, I, I think teams have really strategically played the Leafs and their offensive zone possession time game a little differently and not run nearly as much and really just clog the middle of the ice. And it's, it's forced a bit of an adjustment. I, I think collectively the Leafs have gotten better at it and been maybe a little bit more patient with it and not turning it over as much in those areas. But uh, the thing that I've liked from Austin is, is attitude. You know, I, I think he's proven and really wanted to show to his teammates and maybe the league that I'm going to be a complete player. And I, I think he's battled hard defensively. He's turned pucks over down low in his own zone and gotten all the way up and joined the rush. Hasn't necessarily scored as much, but I don't think there's been a drop-off in his game that way. And you have to feel as, as streaky shooters and scorers go that, you know, you hope uh, if you're a Leaf fan that he gets back into that rhythm. And, you know, he's had two three-game goal-scoring streaks. Um which probably, if you asked him 26 games in, that's probably not enough, right? Uh, 
but you, you hope that one of those streaks comes together and the game opens up a little bit for him. But I, I think collectively, both offensively and defensively, he, he's been playing at a high level and uh, you, you got to expect that. I don't expect a 60 goal season from him, but you never know. I mean, he's got that ability. You can go on a pretty good run. No question. Tonight's uh, hockey game will feature uh, the Robertson brothers um, and Nick not having the success of his brother, Jason, but you know, looking back at uh, your your years over hockey, whether it was Simmer as a teammate or as a coach behind a bench or as a broadcaster, is there any player that Nick's situation could remind you of that you, you, you know that there's someone kind of close? Uh, scoring, yeah. obviously, is the strength, but it's not quite there, and... and these guys have to find a way to buy themselves time until it does happen. Yeah, you know what? It, it, that's a that's a hard question off the top. But yeah. from a coaching perspective, from a coaching perspective, you know, probably for me, starting in Edmonton with Alex Hemsky, and I can tell you how many times I sat with Hammer and showed him some video, and here's a kid who it just didn't start the way he hoped. A little different than Robertson, but. You know, still high hopes, high draft, and not getting the ice time he wanted, not always in the lineup, not, you know, uh, getting the trust maybe of the coach. And I think the, the good example or learning for me was listening to what his view of what was actually happening and how different it was from what the coaches were thinking. And, you know, sometimes it's a young guy thinking, oh, the coach is mad at me or he's not giving me a chance or you know, and then you sit with them and say, what are the three things we talked to you about going into this game? And so we'd label them off, you know, protect the puck, uh, get in aggressively, get skating, get your legs moving. And I sat with him one game, I, I always remember, and I had his first five shifts to the game. And, you know, didn't really say anything, just pressed the play button and showed him. And his face just looked and I said, Hammer, like, that's our messaging to you. Those are your first five opportunities to, to show the coach that you're ready. And he did the exact opposite. Like, he turned it over lazily three times, didn't get in. And his face was just, I go, Mac doesn't hate you. Like, <laughs> Mac actually wants you to have success. Yeah. Mac wants you to flourish. We're trying to learn, teach you how to get there. Those, we, we said those five, three things to just narrow it down for you, to go in without expectations of scoring. And that was what you did. So five shifts in, he's going, oh, Hammer's out of it today, right? And now you get going. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson from a coaching perspective you learn, that the player's mindset is so focused in on them and maybe what is not happening for them, as opposed to saying, all they got to do is do those few things and good things will come of it because your habits become good. And I think there's a little bit of that with Robertson. And I think that he's, starting to get it and I, I didn't mind his game last game but those are the tough lessons that you have to plow through as a young player and keep your confidence and gain it and grow and try to find a way to stay in the lineup every night 845 games for Hemsky and uh, uh yeah. i think uh worked out worked out okay worked out, yeah, 40, exactly. 43 playoff games including us a, a run to the stanley cup final i, I think robertson nick would uh Gladly welcome that. You'd like that? Well, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's so tough for a young guy who his whole life has been evaluated by numbers, right? Like, he 55 totally. goals. And, like, so how yeah. do you... 
I, I just I recognize it's such a challenge for a guy like him where his standards are not what Pontus Holmberg's standards are, right? He can't right. go out there and just be above, uh, take away the you know the the other team's breakout and then call it a day a game at the end of the day. So it's like. I don't know. I, I, you know, and I don't even have a question here, Sam, or just how do you coach a guy who is so well, focused on one thing? Like shooting the well, puck. I, His I, comments I'll today were you. shooting the puck. Right, which the only yeah. thing he does. No, and, but it's going in with the mindset of, you know, first and foremost, effort is everything. Like if, if, you're, if you're going in thinking of scoring, that's not the, that's not the mode that's going to get you there. It, it's got to be. You've got to be the hardest worker on that line every shift. And maybe that's a tough task to ask, but at least put that as your standard. And when you're doing that, good things are going to come of it because you're moving and you're getting in and you're closing gaps and maybe you've turned the puck over. It's, it's all those little things that I'll use my own experience. You know, you scored your whole life. My first year in NHL, I had 11 goals and 28 points as the second overall pick. That was hard to swallow. And you get a lot of questions of, of your own confidence in your mind. Well, that next year coming in, the focus wasn't about how to score. It was, I got to be stronger. I got to be faster. I got to be harder. I got all the little things that you got to own your own missteps and own the things you didn't do well, and then just find a way to get traction to that. And going into a game thinking I got to get two tonight is not the way. Going in saying, I'm a good player. I'm going to own the puck tonight. Every time I have it, I'm going to make a play. How many times did the puck die with me today? And if you get through a game and it's only like one or two times, then you're going, good players want to play with you because the play doesn't die with you. So it's, it's changing your mindset to, to start tackling those things and build the confidence out of that. And, you know, my second year was a complete different from my first year. My third year was a complete different from the second. And that's, that's what you hope for a young kid, that he survives the difficult times but learns and grows from it and gets better because of it. Simmer, fantastic stuff, man. Really, uh, for someone that uh, off the top of your head, that was an incredible uh, uh, story on uh, Hemsky. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it, and it nailed it. Uh, just it is difficult for these kids today to come in and, and not deal with instant success and how do you manage it. Uh, terrific stuff. Thanks for doing this, Simmer. Have a great call tonight. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. It's hard. Yeah. And if you are a one of a fixed mindset, and that's what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Where yes. you're just fixed on I've got I no score other, that won't keep me. I've got no other way to measure my own success. It it, it comes on a on a spreadsheet. You can see right here, he's doing better than me because right? he has three and I have one. And I have one. Two. Yeah. Therefore he's he's better than me. And it's yeah. like as Craig said, no. No, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's super hard. And I will say, you know, I, I don't know if this is an era or an age thing, but, you know, doing the video for the Marlies, I had iPads for the players come up and watch their shifts. And you know who came up and watched their shifts? Everyone who played well. Everyone wants to watch themselves when it's going well. You know, two-goal game, yeah, yeah, let me watch my shifts from tonight. But no one wants to sit there and look at what it looks like when it's bad. Oh my God! You like all the videos of like when you play a horse crap game and they go like we're not pra- we're we're gonna be an hour late for practice. Well, and, and you got to go through the whole game I, I with the coach. In our day, sometimes they just put the tape in and you'd be like, we're gonna watch oh all sixty. Oh my God! And, like, oh. and then I cringe when my shifts would be on. <laughs> I'm like, oh please, get it over with. And they please. stop it. 
uh, Borneo. Oh my gosh! Oh, it's painful. It, what the hell was that? Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, like, what were you thinking here? What did you, you see? Playing what? left wing well, for us or right wing for them? Yeah. Which one is it? <laughs> like, well, I just I thought that I could. Uh, never mind. You yeah. know, like as you messed up and any excuse you have doesn't fly. It's miserable. So I get that people don't want to come in and look at themselves struggling, but that's part of finding your way to better days. Not Sammy. Sammy wants to see every shift in his beer league. I know Kipper's listening to our worst shows at night, just trying to find ways to get better. Grinding your way through. I'd like to watch them shift from last night's zigzags. 7-1 dominant performance. Dominant zigzag uh, wins. Th- didn't the other team forfeit again? No, no. no. <laughs> we beat a good young team last night. What'd you get for numbers? Yeah, one and one. One and one tonight. On the third line? Oh, we only have two lines, Kip. Here we <laughs> so <laughs> you're on the, the second line. I'm, the top, I'm on the top six. That's all that matters. <laughs> yes, the sixth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Daryl Ray is going to come in and uh, talk to uh, talk to us about his uh, Dallas Stars team, the, the one that he covers, and what Leaf fans can expect out of this uh, new contending team in the West. Mm-hmm. Because they are back, and they are back with a vengeance. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Real Kipper Bourne. After these words, we're right back at it. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You're eating a carrot. I've been crushing just chocolates, like, since Halloween. I can't do it anymore. The chocolate? Yeah. (sighs) You've been passing me a chocolate over um, for like a month and a half now. I've got some deep shame over this. It's becoming a reliance. How's our buddy <laughs> Daryl Ray? Is he on? He is. That's probably the most unprofessional um, opening <laughs> you've ever had <laughs> in the history. Welcome to the show. Of, how long have you been doing this, Daryl? I liked it. Razor, like how, how long have you been doing this? Uh, I don't know quarter of a century like <laughs> and, and i'm the worst at introducing you ever no, how are no, you? that was stellar <laughs> good very hey, good let Looking me ask you let point. me ask you about your this dallas stars team that you're following here um you know for a team that looked like it was something was coming to an end and and, and i only speak of just kind of the 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 play of uh of Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan, and it just seemed like maybe their best years were uh, behind them and these big contracts, and this is a team that has to find a way to get rid of these contracts and rebuild. And no, 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 lo and behold, you come in this year and you're, uh, you know, one of the better teams in the in the Western Conference. Did you see this coming? Not to the level that it has happened with Jamie, especially the it's been fun, you know, following essentially the renaissance of uh, one big, big Ben, uh, you know, cause last month he looked, he, he, to me, he almost looked better than he did when he won the art Ross, uh, you know, he's skating really, really well. There's no question that the style that they're playing under Pete DeBoer has helped, you know, as a winger, there's not a lot of just getting stuck, stopped. It's a, a very kinetic style, uh, and I think that that's fed his game. That and then, hey, you get a little longer in the tooth in the game, and and you play with some very talented young guys, and I, I think it rejuvenates a little bit. I, I think that's part of the secret with Joe Pavelski too. You know, you know Joe's pushing forty, but he's playing with 
Robertson and Hintz, two guys that are not even into their prime yet. And with Ben, he, he's played exclusively with Wyatt Johnson and Ty Delandria uh, for almost the entirety of the first 25 games. And you can tell that he's enjoyed that. Uh, and it, it's given him a little bit of juice. Uh, so, you know, and Tyler, I look, Tyler's played played better than it probably looks like. If you just look at the goal column, it looks it looks sour, but uh, he's done some good things to he's on the second power play unit, not the number one. And that's affected some of his his offense. But he's meshed pretty well with with Mason Marchman and given them some depth. So, yeah, I mean, there was some concern. I, I know what you're talking about, I, even even I looking at it after last year is like, are they going to be too yeasty and, and too moldy all at once where they're trying to work young guys in with, with guys that are maybe, you know, moving past their prime, but it, it certainly hasn't looked that way. Yeah. It's funny. I played college hockey against Pavelski and I've got kids in a bad back and he's out there still scoring goals. It's, it's really incredible to I watch. Um, I, you know, here in Leafland, a uh, relevant name is Mason Marchman, who you mentioned is getting some run with Sagan there. Ha, has he lived up to the billing expectations? How has his season gone as a Dallas star? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, immediately it did. He scored three goals in the first two games. They're like, yes, that's yeah. what we need. We need somebody to come in here. And now he, he hasn't scored at that same rate, but uh, he's, you know, he, he's added another guy that, that plays a style that has been, maybe missing around here a little bit where, you know, he's rambunctious. Like I've heard before and I can attest to it now, like you watch his, his shifts and he looks like one of those, uh, car lot, uh, blow up bobbers, you know, the arms <laughs> are going all over the place and, and he's, and, and he's involved and he's on the ice and he's up and he's smashing people and he's forcing turnovers and, and he can finish. So, you know, he's, he's been a very welcome addition to this group. He actually, he racked up a bunch of penalty minutes in a row the other night uh, when he had the book thrown at him, and he leads the team in, in penalty minutes. So a little, you know, another power forward on that left side. And, and if you look down the left wing side of the Dallas Stars, I mean, that, it's murderer's row. You get Robertson, Ben, and Marchman, bang, bang, bang. And, and they've, they've gotten the job done. As far as the blue line goes, I see a, a big, heavy blue line. Um, you know, at times can just suffocate teams. Uh, yet, you know, um, Miro Heskinen is one of those guys that you go, okay, that, this guy can also one day win the, the Norris. Yeah, true. I, you know, he doesn't get maybe the accolades that he, he deserves uh, on, the, on the national uh, front just because – he he hasn't put up the the dazzling offensive numbers that some of the others have, but I mean he's he's no shrinking violet in that category either. I, I mean he went into last game, uh, he had nineteen his nineteen points were double any other Stars defenseman. So you know he's he's making it happen. He's getting pushed to to be maybe a little more sparkle offensively, but I mean he's as good as anybody in the league at defending. Uh, and does it with his feet, his stick, his head, uh, his skating. Obviously, he's one of the best skaters in the league. But, yeah, I mean, the whole group back there has played well. You know, the guy who's played great is Yanni Hockenpah. You know, a great big guy on, on a real budget uh, contract. And, 
He plays important minutes, big part of their penalty kill. He, along with Essa Lindell, uh, those are those two guys are the two heaviest on on the squad, and and they eat up a lot of those big penalty kill and and defending minutes with them. But there's no question who the number one guy is, and that's Miro. And if you're into just the little details of the position, and you can uh, respect and and appreciate the subtleties of his game. He is easily one of the best defensemen in the league. There's a lot of guys on this team who you look at, and I don't think people appreciate how good they are. One of them that I'm curious about is Denis Gurianov. I remember he scored 20 as a rookie in 60 games or something, super fast, and it was kind of the offense hasn't been where it was that year. Uh, I see just one goal in 18 games this year. Where, where is he at for this Dallas Stars team? Big guy too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is, and he can skate like the wind. I mean, there there have been a couple of times, like nobody can fly like McDavid, but there have been some times when you're like, well, it's in the, at least in the wake, mm-hmm. you know, of, of that. And and yet it, it hasn't led to a ton of offense. Uh, you know, he, he can get down on himself a little bit. The, I, I think DeBoer and his staff are trying to shake him a little bit from – maddening inconsistencies and just overall play. I I thought he would really uh, jet into this system where it's, you know, it's, it's go, go like the, make no bones about it. The, the wingers blow the zone. Like they take off and, and they head North immediately. And that's kind of his game. But, you know, he spent some time on, on right wing with Sagan and Marchman and, it, but just it hasn't clicked enough to stay there and and make that a, a cemented line. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a curiosity with him. Like there's there's so much there. He can shoot the puck through the end of the rink. Uh, he can he can fly. But as you mentioned, you, you know the the proof is is what does he have to show? And there's only the one goal. I think he opened the scoring when we were in Arizona and they dusted them. Uh, mightily i think they they scored four in the first period of that one and never looked back so he, he's got more to give i'll say that daryl uh the leafs will face uh, uh jake ottinger tonight we all remember him best from his epic uh playoff run yeah. that was uh as good as anything we've seen at least you know if not in any playoff game uh certainly in dallas stars history uh just watching the goaltending in general and expectations from guys from anywhere to seven to ten million dollars and watching their uh save percentage <laughs> be under what 900 with some of yeah. them uh, where is he handling the pressure of of coming off of that incredible playoff series against calgary and and managing expectations well first off there was a time when 900 was pretty good you know <laughs> so. your time <laughs> uh yeah i i think that's a good point i think managing manage look he in the in the first part of the season he looked exactly like the guy he was uh against calgary uh which was nothing short of of stupendous uh and looked like no there's not going to be any of that okay i've arrived or um you know maybe i been petted all summer and and uh, come into the season and there's a little stumble bumble and he got hurt in the game against the rangers and missed a couple weeks and since he's come back it, it's been it, he's been a little off in some games and some games he's looked like himself uh again like he got yanked last game against mini and it was performance-based he, he just wasn't sharp 
and he's going to get the start here again tonight. But like they, they all go through these these little vacillations. It seems like at the position, uh, and and he's kind of gone through one a little bit here lately. And uh, you know, Jeff Reese is the goalie coach here. He does phenomenal work with with them, and and he's got a, a great partner in Wedgwood who's taken some of the load away so that he doesn't have to be in there night in and night out. But this is one of those games where he's, he's got to play better than maybe he has lately, which is weird to say, because two games ago he had a shutout. So right. um, just, just part of the growth maybe of a, of a young netminder who every, every time he's been challenged by something that I've watched, uh, he has, he's rose to that challenge, uh, whether it was getting thrust in with a bunch of injuries to veteran goaltenders last year or the playoffs, which is a completely different animal. He almost won the series by himself against Calgary. So he's facing another one of these, another mini crucibles, I guess, uh, here in the, in the opening half of the season. And he's got to get his act completely get back together. Well, I think remarkable we've gone this long without talking about Jason Robertson. We got to Dennis Gurianov first, um, but I think uh, I'd like to get a bit more of your thoughts on on how Robertson is doing what he's doing. Because, you know, Sheldon Keefe here talking about the Dallas Stars, lots of praise, but he's saying Robertson, maybe not the most fleet of foot, but, and then he went on to, you know, with all the, the nice superlatives about his game. What do you see? How is he leading the NHL in scoring? How's he getting it done? Yeah, Justin, it's a record for me to go this long without somebody asking me about <laughs> right, I'm sure. Robo. Yes. Uh, well, he he's an absolute uh, student of the game. Like he, I, I was talking to him the other day because it seems like after most shifts, if we go back with a shot of him on the bench, he's on the tablet like every single time, and he he just consumes massive amounts of video with the goal of being better all the time, like all the time. And, you know, so one thing I asked him, I said, well, what, what did you want to be better at this year? And he said, well, one of my big goals was to not get my shots blocked so much. Uh, and he went through all the stats and he had all the numbers from last year about the number of shots that he would have had if he was a smarter shooter and this and that. Then you, you watch him here in the opening 25 games and, and he, he doesn't get blocked a lot. Uh, he's got a little more patience or maybe he just moves the angle of the puck a little bit and gets his shot through first and foremost. And if goalies don't see it, they don't stop it. He, he's very patient and accurate with that. Uh, and he plays with some really good players. Like Rope Hintz is one of the most underrated uh, players, let alone centers in the league. Uh, and Pavelski's ageless and crafty. And they, they have unbelievable chemistry with one another. Uh, that being said, you know, he has what now an 11 point lead on, on the team and, and uh, almost a dozen more goals than anybody else. So he, he's just had a very special start to the season. I keep waiting for, you know, a game where he's not a threat, even in the games where he hasn't scored, he's felt like he's been a threat and you have to go all the way back to when they were in, they played back to back at Ottawa and in Boston. And that's the last time he didn't have a point in a game. And a lot of times his goals, like he can beat goaltenders in so many different ways. Most of it is with his wrist shot and it's really crafty and very accurate. And uh, he, he scores repeatedly. The consistency has been unbelievable. What is it that Robertson's, uh, uh, when it comes to Pavelski, what is working for Pavelski that Robertson's is taking such a great advantage of, you know, four years ago, Daryl, uh, 
you know, when you see the breakup of the San Jose Sharks, we've watched Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe go to different teams and kind of do the natural thing, and that's just fade <laughs> off into the sunset. <laughs> right. This, yeah. this, this guy's going the other way. Yeah, he, yeah, he, there's, there's no slowdown. He had three primary assists in that rally against the Wild to get a point it, just in the third period alone, and all three of them were, were nothing short of brilliant. And I, I think it's his, he's got a very calming effect, and, and he's such an intelligent player. And through osmosis, uh, Robertson's absorbed some of that, and he had that anyway. Uh, but they, they play a, an excellent uh, small game. You know, when, when things get tight and they just need to make a series of passes that are like eight feet from one another uh, with a little bit of movement, they do it. And Joe, Joe's been a terrific uh, sort of relay guy. Rope can skate with the best of them in the league. He can fly, get gallop. And so he, he kind of drives things for them. And a lot of times Joe can be the guy in neutral ice that just makes one little subtle crafty player at the blue line. And it, it gets them in and, and going. And then from there with rope, speed backing defenders off and Robertson's skills and, and, uh, and patience in his shot. Uh, it just all seems to mesh together and, and they're all a threat to score. I mean, last year, uh, Robertson scored 41 Hint scored 37 and Joe scored 27. And they're doing sort of the same thing again this season. A few others are joining them in the let's carry the Dallas Stars goal scoring, which is nice. And that's why they're second in the league in in goals right now. But that line still is the line that teams can't stop. They just, I watch it night in and night out, and they cannot stop that threesome uh, for a full 60 minutes. They just find a way to get something done. Last one for me, Riz. I just want to get your thoughts on what has changed with the coaching uh, switch this season. You mentioned that the forwards blow the zone a little more of a kinetic style. Um, is, is that an accurate assessment? Just a team that's less stopping and starting and more keeping it flowing? Yeah, and, and again, and Pete's done uh, great work in, in making sure that it's not a complete slam on on what was here and that he wanted to build upon the defensive structure and and acumen of this group. And, and that, that for the most part, they've done that. They're still top 10 in goals against, but they, they needed to get out of their own zone quicker uh, and, and build their offense, you know, open things up a little bit so that they could score some more. Cause they, they were kind of stuck. And you could see again in that series against Calgary, it was defend, 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 stop box every now and then counter punch a little bit. And, and it's more of a, uh, dictating, uh, initiating style. Uh, there's very little D to D and, you know, work the width of the rink on your way up. It's more, let's get going uh, north in the very hot hockey vernacular and, uh, and get our offense going that way. And, and by moving the puck out of their own zone so quick, you can, you can see when you watch it all the time, like teams, teams just get on their heels almost immediately. And then they get chasing back into their own zone. And from that, they're, they're obviously they don't have to dump the puck in as much because there's room to roam. Uh, people are backed off their space because of how fast they play. Now, when they don't play like that and they revert a little bit, they, they get stuck in the mud like everybody else. And, uh, and it, I think, ticks Pete DeBoer off a little bit. But old habits are tough to break. But I, I would say that 
that's probably the the biggest change that I've seen here is that they they just hit the whip a little quicker than they did in past and with that they're going to open themselves up to some chances against more than they did uh in previous years razor we're past american thanksgiving and we're looking at the standings and there's some still some questions about uh new jersey seattle uh, even Winnipeg, and it's like, okay, when's the bubble going to burst here? When are they going to come back to reality? Are we are we way past that for Dallas? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, they again, you, you haven't played any everybody yet. Like they played Boston, they were uh, on a back to back. They played in Toronto, they lost in, in uh, overtime in in Tampa. Uh, they haven't played New, New Jersey. They haven't played Carolina. Uh, they they played the Islanders here at home. Uh, they played pretty much everybody in their own division now. They haven't played Vegas. They haven't played Seattle. They haven't played Calgary. You know, like it's it's still a little bit early when you look at it that way. But when you're 25 games in and you can start to see what they're all about, uh, this, this seems to be what they're going to be. I don't I don't know that they can continue to score at the rate that they have. Uh, but they're they're probably going to try, uh, and and what they have that that would scare I think most uh, others around them is they have a supreme belief that even when they're down a couple of goals and it doesn't matter how late it is, uh, they believe that they've got uh, a switch that they can flick and they can come back on you. And maybe they didn't have that in past, and and there's belief that they have it now. Looking forward to the game tonight. Have a great call, Razor. Enjoyed it. Work on your intros. I will. I will. Yeah, in my next life. Thanks, Razor. (laughs) We'll listen back to the tape. Daryl Ray uh, calls a great game, too, for uh, Dallas. I've always been a huge fan of his. Like, I just, I love turning on a game where Razor's involved. Just that Daryl, or that Darren Pang kind of thing where they're just, like, kind of born to just talk. You know what it is? Uh, when I first worked at the score, they told me about the concept of beer ability. There's a, there's a guy you want to go have a beer with, right? Like that's a good, beer ability. I used to write articles and I would rank the beer ability of NHL players, GMs, coaches. I used to drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to read all about it. <laughs> I know. But in all seriousness, Daryl, uh, sorry, Razor has a uh, high level of beer ability. All right. I like that term. I think I'm going to steal it too. I don't know if I did it for media. You would, you have high beer ability for sure. I can't confirm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have that as factual evidence. And some guys get like nastier the more beer right. ability they get. Right. You're like, yeah, it's not. But and, you can usually uh, tell sober, can't you? I like you? a good laugh. You have a sense of which guys you'd want to, I think know? I get funnier yeah. with beer. Do you think and that? There's others that get meaner <laughs> yeah. with beer. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, you got to pick your people. But yes, paying your high beer ability as well. All right. He, yeah, he, he kind of brings up a good point here that, uh, you know, we, we do have 32 teams in the National Hockey League, and you can go long stretches without being, I'm not sure tested is the right word, but seeing I think depth. Right and Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. You know, like there, I just there's... don't want to disrespect, you right. know, uh, the ability to win on any given night and just winning and scoring goals is right. tough d- right. night to night. But we got some bad teams. For sure. And, you know, we make fun of, like, 
in this league's crazy. Like Arizona, who we thought was like the worst team on earth. Like, you know, they got seven wins, just like Chicago, more than Anaheim. So every team can win any given night. But the problem is there's so much parity. Like you don't see many teams. You're like, oh, that team is head and shoulders above. It's like Boston. You mentioned New Jersey. I don't know if they'll come back to the pack a little bit. I just, I don't know that they're this good, but yeah, you can go a stretch of 10 games where you play a bunch of okay teams. And then you got like, we've already established the teams that are just going to like tank from here on end. Chicago, Chicago, Arizona. Like this is, this is like, they're, they're full, full Connor Bedard. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody talked to the Montreal Anaheim. Maybe somebody talked to Montreal Canadians in the first. Montreal last night. night. How do you you, like blown leads again, blown leads. Like this is the first time we saw four, four, nothing after the first period and they lost. Yeah. In fact, they got up 6-5 with three minutes I, to go. I did not watch the game from start to finish, but... Good for you. It was... Nor did I. If if the Three Stooges ever made a hockey movie, I think it would kind of look like what we saw last night. You and I both watched the highlight packages and both looked at each other about halfway through the highlights like, what happened? Guys are kicking pucks in their own net. <laughs> They're falling. Uh, goalies can't catch a puck. Spencer Martin's using a, one of those Velcro things to catch a ball instead of a glove. It just like uh, it just was ugly hockey from the looks of but the But we did see one hell of a hit. Luke Shen absolutely pasted Slavoski along the, the yeah. boards behind the net. Yes, the tweet from, I believe, the spoke Z was that he control-alt-deleted him. Just good night, erased the man from the play. And it was a penalty. But, hold on, did he get a penalty for that hit? Interference. Interference for the hitting the man with the puck? Yes, the puck had left his stick. You know, when the, it was a millimeter, a millisecond since it left his... You used to get, like, three steamboats. I, I just hate that that was called a penalty. And then, and then he gets the treat of having to fight uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah. And then he outstrengths him and just pushes him to the ground. See, the ref was kind of like your tweet on that hit. What, bad? Read your tweet. <laughs> um, what did I tweet? I'm going to find it here. You hate that find this is... I didn't, want to, I didn't want to sound like uh, a, Neanderthal. a Neanderthal, but I don't want to live in a world where this is a penalty. Okay, well, why did you feel the need to... to, to Preface? To, yeah, to bring up that you're a Neanderthal. Because sometimes I think like one, and I don't want everyone to think I am one. That's why. See, and that's why the referee called the penalty. Because it's the same thing. You're Because he's as scared as you are for everybody coming all over you mm. in terms of ripping you for being uh, a guy that just likes hard checks. I'm okay with that. I'll take the, I'll take the heat. Yeah, I'll maybe, do I have the edit button? But then, then, then don't, that? You, yeah. you don't have to apologize for being uh, a guy that likes hard hits. So this is a, guy, a thing I'm consciously doing in my writing is trying to erase those hedges where where I'm like, right? Yeah, like, like you're apologizing. Hey, everybody, I, I, yeah, it's still in here's the, it's why still I in think the game. Like, no, just write the thing. You can, you, think. you can hit hard. Yeah, and you could actually, you know, hurt a guy like that's. There it's are just twofold a, it's, values. It's a possibility. One is you separate the guy from the puck, which is the the point of the hit. The oh, other is that, that is you make such people a big hit. Oh, but the other God. is that you make people hesitant to have the puck at all. But there are people out there that don't want that, that second part to be that, that, that hitting anymore. 
And it's like, okay, it's been around for a hundred years. Like you're going down a path now that's just, you want to change the rules of the game. Yeah. No, and it's, it's like, you don't get to just go on your social media and say, I, I don't like it. You're a Neanderthal and, you know, I want hockey this way now. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, uh, I'm sorry. And you are. <laughs> what, what about the second part of the tweet? Uh, bring Luke home. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to bring Luke home. He is the most talked about guy right now for Jimmy Rutherford. How much better calls. is Luke Shen than Jordy Ben? Better. Yes, I agree. How much better? Uh, he can stay in the lineup. Okay. That's better. That's and he throws punches. Hits listen, hard. Once upon a time, Luke Shen was a top five pick overall. It's very high. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, once upon a time, he was on waivers, and anyone could have know, him for free. I know, but that's, I don't know, 12 years later? I, I do not want to skepticism don't know. How of long has he been in the league? He's a great player, How long and I would been? love to have him on the Leafs. Luke's a legitimate, Luke is a legitimate 5-6. Yeah. You know who he I'm is not, you on the Colorado Avalanche? He's Jack Johnson. You don't trade for him and, and to try to win a Stanley Cup and ask Luke to play 18 to 20 minutes a night. Right. I think uh, my theory on defense is that you don't have to have the best decor in the world, but you can't have holes. You can't have a guy who's bad, you know, who where the other team can pick apart or there's going to be a breakdown. Shen can plug a hole. If you feel like on the Leafs bottom pair, whether it's Mete or Hollowell or Timmons or whoever it's going to be, Shen is a massive yes. upgrade. Massive upgrade. Massive. So, so but, correct. you know, I, I don't want to see them give up a – you know, high pick or a prospect so or something. For that's what I was just going to ask. Since Kipper is, it's it's is, climbing. There's a lot of people looking. It's climbing. Supply and demand. Listen, it's How not. How high a, are we talking? Uh, I don't know if they think that they can get a a second to a third for him now, but it's not a fifth or a sixth. I bet they can. You look at the, what. It's not a what first. David Savard fetch. It's not a first. David Savard. But, yeah, but he's David Savard's more legit. Uh, 20 minutes, 22 okay. minutes. And what other deadline younger, guys? Do you get, hey, there was val, value traded for. It, it could be a, it could be Nick Robertson. It could be a. If a, you're, a I mid, wonder if Canucks fans a, would do that A right mid now. prospect. Oh, yeah. You think they do Nick Robertson for Luke Shen right now? Of course. You can sell them on the promise. They, you know, like they're getting anything for a guy that's expiring. They're supposed to be rebuilding. Like you're right. You're right. When do you want to win? Can how, I? How old is how old Luke Shen going to be when they're supposed to be good? How old is Luke right now? Good question. Check. And what what draft was he? Luke what, uh, Shen age. Luke Shen is thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah, Two thousand eight draft. Okay, he's not, only thirty three. It's, it's not. It's not forty. I think I'm going to change my tune on this a bit. I thought he was like thirty seven or something. So I know I know it's did, only four years. Luke it's a big swing. Put himself into a third round pick. Can Jimmy oh, yeah. think he can get a second round pick for a desperate team? I think. I think. I mean, and, and what? Give me his draft. Give me the first five in his draft. Because once upon a time, I'll get it right here. There was a small window where you thought you were going to get possibly yeah, the, the defensemen ahead of him were it's, unbelievable. It's you got a, it. It's an awesome top five. Yeah, it's Stamkos, Stamkos, Doughty, Doughty, Bogosian, Petrangelo, Luke Shen. Yeah. And then it just goes off off a yeah. cliff. And then your boy, our boy, don't mention, was Doug in Columbus at the time? Filatov was the sixth pick? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he's, know. he had, um, had the FBI follow him, maybe, or was it another player? <laughs> he played 53 games. Colin Wilson, Mikel Bodker, Josh Bailey. But you, at, at, when you're a top five, you're hoping to get a, a guy that can maybe look like Shea Weber than mm-hmm. a guy that's plugging uh, your fifth, sixth, or seventh spot in, on your lineup. So like there, the most pims from that there, draft. There, was, uh, there were times even in Toronto that you saw flashes of a guy that can kind of do it all. Mm-hmm. And he did fight. He did hit. I think I remember one particular goal where he came down the off wing and scored a beautiful goal. Luke Chen? Yes. Oh, yeah. Remember? You remember? Oh, of course. Like photographic in my yes. mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was and like, oh, like, I was like, Bobby, oh, no, you guys, I don't he's... know if it's a good sign if you said, I remember the goal Luke Shen yeah. scored and you remember it. Like, that's not great. You should be like, there were so many, I don't know. How many games has he played in his 889. Career? Yeah, so there's there's some... 40 and 137 yeah, for 177, 724 pims. There's still some mileage. There's some, there's some uh, what do you call it, on tires? Tread. Tread. Struggle yes. for a second there. He's got some tread still on his tires. All right. Luke Shen coming to Toronto. You heard it, heard it here first. All right. What Matt else do we got? Shane Wright. Uh, I was just looking at the uh, that goal that he scored. Uh, primary assist, Joey Crab. Hey. <laughs> Colorado College. Also an Alaska boy. There you go. So from, is it off the Anchorage. wing? Can you see it? It's a gorgeous goal. Did he backhand? No, no. He cut into the middle. On, on his off wing. Yeah, and then went across and bar down. There you go. And it's against the Bruins. What are we doing? There you go. Watching Luke Shen porn during the show. <laughs> I love okay. it. Okay, what, what can we expect out of Shane Wright versus uh, Slavkovsky tonight? Seattle, Ooh, Montreal. Wright, Slavkovsky. First off, do you believe that Shane Wright mean mugged the Montreal front office, gave him the glare of death on the way up there? Uh, yeah, and I really liked it. Me too. That's yeah. great. It's great. You know, it, it doesn't, it's not decided. Good. It's not decided the chain, right? They made a, you know, he has time here to prove them very wrong. So do we get a final tally on his uh, minor league success? Five I games, saw, four goals. Four goals. Four goals. A couple of sister too. Um, so yeah, great, great showing in the American League. After seven NHL games, Shane Wright had one shot on net and had, uh, the puck for a minute and a half, according to my stats. And he's in the lineup tonight. He's averaged all but, what, six minutes a game? What's yeah. the over-under on six and a half minutes? I'm taking over. I'm taking over. I think, you know, you go to Coachella Valley, you handle the biscuit, you shoot some in the net. They give you a look against Montreal, who played last night against Vancouver and blew their brains out. I, I think he's going to... Score tonight. Wow. And that pay? I don't know. Good question. And Seattle is one of those teams where you're, okay, is is this, are they on borrowed time here? Are they 15 and 6? You know, to Sammy's point, and I don't know if we did this on the show or not, but, like, um, there's not a great team, not a lot of great teams in the West. But they're getting good mileage. They got... uh, Burakovsky out of Colorado. Yep. Is he not leading them in scoring? He's doing very well. Uh, I can figure that out, though. But Seattle is, right now, two teams in the Pacific Division have a positive goal differential. That means all of L.A., Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, San Jose, and Anaheim are even or worse in goal differential. So, yeah, way to go, Seattle. Like, they're doing good, but... 
That division is not good. Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago, all minus. Minnesota's barely over. Like it's it, the the West is not that strong. And they got this two years ago, the second uh, round pick overall. Who's the kid there, Matt? Veneers. Uh, Veneers. Awesome. Awesome. Been really good leading Calder Trophy candidate. You know, guy. Uh, He's some, someone exciting. You know, they, they went all in on defense and goaltending last year, and it wasn't a real thrill ride to watch them lose. But Linfie, they got Bjorkstrand too, right? Bet you it's expensive tickets in Seattle tonight. Habs coming to town? Oh, they are I know. expensive as is. And I bet you they're going up and up tonight. For okay, what do we expect tonight in Dallas? Uh, keep it close. Lower score game. Red Rover, Red Rover, we call you in lineup five over. It's Matt Murray tonight. Yes, sir. Back to Murdoch. Can they? I think can this they is keep a them? huge test for Murray tonight. Can, can they keep them three and under? Yeah, that's the Murray question. So the Stars are second, or you said first in goals this I year. I think they're most closing goals. in on 100. Okay, so the most goals in the NHL this year. The Leafs are third in the NHL in goals against per game, if I'm not mistaken. So the best offense against a very, very good defense I am curious to see how the Leafs injured decor on a long run of games against a very good offense can hold up. I think there's a chance that Matt Murray has to be very good tonight and test that groin post to post. This is the building that Austin Matthews broke Rick Vives record. Is that right? Last yeah. year. I actually, while we were doing the show, went and placed and, a bet on by Austin way, Matthews the, to score tonight. For the record, uh, Twitter world. I didn't bring up Austin Matthews and question his play. <laughs> JB did. Uh, he, fair, fair point. But uh, Matthews is going to start shooting in the net at some point here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been saying that for three weeks now. I know. Yeah, it's almost Christmas, pal. Lights are up. All right, so you guys are right. He's not going to start scoring. You heard it here. Kipper <laughs> and, and Sam said We're because he saying, hasn't well, been scoring, he's not going to start. L- careful on that limb you're, you're out there just, on, Barney, that he uh, might start scoring. Well, you're the one who's <laughs> doubting it. I don't know. Well, either you think it's happening or you don't. I don't know. I think it's got to. The numbers are okay, but he's not standing out. Right. Particularly on the puck in net part of the standing out. I mentioned some of the guys that are scoring at his pace. It's not his usual company, to say the least. So, yeah, betting on it tonight. Matthew's goal, it's plus 110. Actually, Robertson... Uh, his odds are shorter. So they think Robertson is more likely to score tonight than Austin Matthews, which if you're a betting person, probably not. All right, let's go get him, Nick. (laughs) I should have specified. (laughs) You got to put an an initial on that one. I don't even know if they offer a a line on Nick scoring. Sure they do. All right. Well, you know, we're in the East Coast. So what do we have, an 830 Eastern time? Mm -hmm. Yes. You going to be okay with that? You got a yeah. men's league game or nope. anything like that? No, nope. we got Leafs talk after the game tonight. Me and J.D. Bunkus you breaking it down live on uh, YouTube. And uh, it'll go up on all the podcast stuff afterwards. And I just wanted to do a quick housekeeping. I had to give a shout out to the texter, Brock in Orangeville, who texted me the hockey tournament that I was talking about at the start of the oh, show. Yeah. Yes. The Labatt, it was during the lockup. Yes, it was Labatt Blue Pickup Cup. Yeah, it was so lame. It, was it doesn't horrible. even count. And it was, it had, <laughs> it Cujo was, was involved. Alan McCauley was involved. Yes, so, Todd Warner. Todd Warner. Vinny LeCavalier. Vinny LeCavalier. Here's the thing is like, you're during a lockout, you get hurt, you're missing millions. No one was going too hard out there. Nobody. So there you go. 
Just wanted to bring that up. Thanks very much, Brock and Orangeville. You saved you guys, my boy Roy on the hockey team. Did you guys know it's St. Nicholas Day today? We did not know that. Yeah. Is that different than Christmas? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, happy day. Yeah. Saint. Name day. Happy name day. Happy name day to you. December 6th. little education there. Well, I'm always happy to learn. All right. Our thanks to Daryl Ray and Craig Simpson on a great show tonight. Enjoy the game. Enjoy uh, the battle of the consecutive streaks. We're back tomorrow.